Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. For those of you that may uh, not have been here or missed a part, we've been spending the last couple weeks in the story of Esther, kind of just going through and seeing you know, what happened, but also pulling some applications for our life. And, and so if you have your Bibles, if you could open up quickly to Esther chapter 3, verse number 8. Esther chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, we'll be spending this, this week and next week in the book of Esther, and then we'll move on. But I really want to encourage you in your own time, go through and, 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 and read it for yourself and see what the Lord can reveal to you outside of our Sunday morning uh, services. Esther chapter 3, verse 8. My version says this. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws. Let's jump down to chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for such a time as this. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask God that we'd be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story continues from last week. We remember that Mordecai uh, was, you know, Esther's adoptive father. And uh, he was the man who refused to bow when Haman was promoted. And so Haman was this guy who was tapped on the shoulder by King Xerxes to go around. And he was kind of second in charge. And wherever he would go, the people would all bow to Haman, except Mordecai. And we talked last week about why Mordecai didn't bow uh, to Haman. It's because when you're the citizen of another kingdom, you're subject to a different set of laws. And, and also, you never bow to someone who's not in charge. And so we kind of pick up our story right there where Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman. And Haman is now infuriated by the fact that, th- that this one guy, Mordecai, is not bowing to him. And, and I want to kind of pause here for a moment and kind of talk about leadership for a second. When, when leadership has to be acknowledged or when leadership has to be forced, that's a sign of the insecurity of the leader. You, you can see Haman's insecurity because he was uncomfortable with the fact that there was one person who didn't bow to him. You know, when someone is self-conscious or someone doesn't have a, a security in who they are, they're going to look for the approval of every person. And I want to say this to you this morning. We don't seek the approval of people. We seek the approval of the one who called us. And so sometimes as leaders, we're going to make decisions that maybe not everybody will be in favor of or not everybody will approve of, but we're not looking for the approval of people. We're looking for the approval of God. Say Amen. Felt like Joel Osteen doing this. Say amen. You know, he says that to his people. But, uh, but this morning, I just want to give you that encouragement because, you know, Haman may have had the title and the position, but he didn't have the, the security inside because he saw one guy who didn't bow down and he was all infuriated by it. And, and so, you know, he, he got mad to the point that he went to the king and said to the king, look, there's people in your kingdom. Don't you hate when people refer to people in general? Oh, there's, other, there's some people who are saying these certain things. Who are these people? I don't know. There's just pe- they're just saying it. 
You know they do a lot of stuff. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that they do everything? They say everything. They are always against it. I don't know who they are. We're going to figure it out. But, but they are scattered throughout your... And did you notice the people that always say they are so exaggerated? They, like as, and it's really two people, but they are critics, they aren't following. But anyway, I'm preaching this morning. So he goes and tells the king, they aren't following what you said. He says, there's people scattered all throughout your, your kingdom, Persia, who are subject to a different set of laws. They're not following your law, king. So, you know, Haman was telling the king, basically, if you don't take care of they, if you don't take care of these people that are part of a, another law system and are part of another kingdom, then they're going to rise up and overthrow you. So you better handle it. So Haman suggested, why don't we just kill them? You know, the, the best way to handle them, they, is just, you know, kill them off. And so instead of Haman just saying, let's punish Mordecai, Haman said, let's punish Mordecai and all of Mordecai's people, which is the Jewish people. And, and, and so the king takes off his ring and gives it to Haman, which is basically a sign of the king given, giving Haman authority to do whatever Haman wanted to do. And so they, they sent out an edict, couriers into all of the, the, the kingdom, and they said, gather up the Jews, and we're going to kill all of them. And Mordecai, the Jew, hears what's happening. I want to pause again and talk a little bit about the influence of the church in our kingdom, United States, or our world today. Wouldn't it be good if the church had such influence that the world felt threatened by us being who we are? You know, wouldn't it be great if the church would so be the church, if the church would be so loud about the gospel that it forces the world to recognize that we're a problem? I mean problem in a good way. I mean problem in the sense that we are threatening to their supposed authority. Wouldn't it be awesome, isn't it awesome, that God is building a church that is not called to be on the fringes or the sidelines of society, but we are called to be the culture shifters, the ones who are not transformed by the world, but the ones that are transforming the world through the renewing of the gospel today. I believe that the church is called to have influence from city hall all the way down, from the, the halls of government all the way down to the, to the lowest person on the totem pole. I believe the church is called to have influence to the point that we are noticed by those who think that they're in charge. I want to be part of that church. Do you? I want to be part of a church that, that, that has influence on culture. I don't want the church to, to just be a, an organization that meets once a week on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half, but I, I believe that we are called to be the people of God for a generation of people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we be more influential than we are? Shouldn't we be louder than we are. And you're saying louder than you're already being? Absolutely, louder. And I'm not saying loudness in our screaming, but loudness in our living. Not loudness in our social media posts, but loudness in our ability to go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs the gospel. Amen? Can someone say amen? 
I want to be part of that kind of church. I believe that God desires that kind of church that is threatening to the ways of the world. Darkness should tremble when the church starts getting loud. I believe the enemy should shudder at the sound of the praises of God's people. But the fact is, some of our worship is so weak, it's not scaring the enemy at all. But I believe in this, that when we begin knowing who we are in Christ, the world must turn and notice us. And so Haman notices Mordecai because only those that refuse to bow are those that are noticed. And so Mordecai refuses to bow and he, he stands there proud and Haman doesn't like it because it feels like it's threatening his, wow, I spit a lot, threatening his position. But you know what? It didn't matter because Mordecai knew who he was. Because the fact is, even if you're the only one standing, we still stand, even if everybody else bows. And so Haman sends out this decree into all the kingdom saying, gather up the Jews, we're going to kill them all, and we're going to put to death these people who think they're part of a separate kingdom in our kingdom. And so Mordecai hears word, and he begins tearing his clothes, putting on sackcloth and ashes, and fasting day and night, asking the God of Abraham to be the protection over his people in Persia. Word ends up getting to Esther. Esther, a Jewish woman inside the king's palace. And, and so Mordecai sends word to Esther and says, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, deliverance will come from somewhere else. But who knows if whether God has put you in this kingdom for such a time as this. Esther sends back word to Mordecai and says, I can't just walk into the king's court and tell him what's going on. Nobody goes to the king unless they're called. If you just walk into the king's palace, king's courtroom, you can be killed on the spot unless the king extends his golden scepter of favor to the person as they walk in. And Esther said this, I haven't been called in to see the king in 30 days. It had been 30 days since she had seen her husband because he didn't call on her. And so, and so she's left with this moment of, you know, what do I do? And then this powerful phrase right there in Esther is this. If I perish, I perish. She's saying, I'm going to risk it all for my people. And if I die, then I'll die. But you guys better pray and fast that I don't die. You know, but Mordecai was preaching a sermon in that verse that he said. He, he, he sends word to Esther saying, if you don't, if you remain silent, deliverance will come from somewhere else. But who knows if God has put you in this kingdom for such time as this. There's two things that I learned about God from that one, that one phrase, that one sentence is this. Number one is that God's will will always be done whether we align ourselves with it or not. And I think you need to remind yourself of that this morning is that God's will is not subject to our obedience. We are subject to God's will, meaning God doesn't change his mind if you say yes or no. Because if you say yes or no and sway the will of God, who's God? You. But God's will is sovereign, meaning that we are called not to have God align himself with our will, but that we would be aligned with God's will. And I love this, is that whether people like it or not, God's always going to do what God's going to do. Tell your neighbor that. It's going to be whatever you tell them. Uh, he's going to do what he's going to do. <laughs> Say that. 
He's going to do what he's going to do. That's just, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Because God's God. And we're not. Hallelujah. You know, God is in control and we're not. And Mordecai tells Esther, if you remain silent, God's going to save us another way. Let me tell you this. There may be people in your life that you think are the solution to your problem. There may be people in your life that you feel they, they are God's will for your life. And I want to remind you of this. Regardless of what they do, God's will is still going to be done in your life. Oh, but they really need to go out with me because that's the one God wants to be my hubby. That's wifey right there. She needs to align herself with God's will. You know, there's people that date that way, thinking like, they're the ones that need that revelation. You received the revelation. You're waiting on them to get the revelation. Let me tell you something this morning. The way revelation works is that, you know, you know the, the amount of times I've heard people say God said is mind-blowing. God says this. God says that. God says the other. You know what God really says? Everything that's in here. Sometimes we feel like God says things based upon, you know, what I ate this morning, how I woke up this morning. Oh, God's saying this, God's saying, did God really say? That's the words of Satan in Genesis chapter 2. But I'm really asking you, did God really say? Stop quoting God. Seek God. Seek to know God. It says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added on. So when it comes to dating and marriage and this and that, what we're praying is not for that person to wake up to the fact that we're their spouse. We're praying that God's will would be done in our life regardless of who it's going to be. You know, I find this is that the moment you stop trying is the moment that God starts opening doors. The moment you stop trying to act like God is the moment that God has space to be God in your life. Stop trying to like make everything happen in your own timelines. Let God be God. Some of us are trying to act like God, and we're wondering why God can't have space to be God in our lives. Well, everything's a hot mess because we're trying to handle it. The moment you stop trying and you let God be God is the moment that he's going to start being God in your life. Say amen. We need that word this morning. So Mordecai tells Esther, he says, look, if, if, if you don't do it, somebody will. Meaning, in God's kingdom, no one is irreplaceable. But here's the other thing about God's kingdom. I don't want to be replaced. Can I say that again? Thank you. In God's kingdom, no one is irreplaceable. Fact is, though, I don't want to be replaced. I want to serve my role in God's kingdom. I want to do my part in God's kingdom. So even though I'm very replaceable, fact is, I want to be part of what God wants me to do. And so Mordecai continues and says this, but who knows if God has not brought you to this kingdom for such a time as this. And that teaches us something amazing about God is that God 
positions the right pieces of our life in the right place at the right time. For the Christian, there is no such thing as coincidence because I am favored. I know that God ordains my steps. It says in Proverbs, man makes his plans, but God is the one who directs his steps. And I am telling you something here this morning. There is no such thing as a coincidence in the life of the one who serves the King of Kings. God positions the right people in the right place at the right time. Mordecai had discernment that day and understood it's not by chance that a Jewish woman is sitting in the king's palace on the day that the Jews are being threatened. There is no coincidence because there is always purpose behind your position. There is always purpose behind your position, meaning God has you where he has you for a reason all the time. So instead of searching for another position, let's search for the purpose behind our current position. Our generation is itchy for the next position, but we so oftentimes forego the joy of fulfilling our purpose in our current position. We're always searching for the next position. I remember at my last job, my last job when I was waking up at 4.30 to go to work, ungodly hour of 4.30. I would get to work and the first thing I would do is hop on indeed.com and search for other jobs. <laughs> on my lunch break, search for other jobs. After work, search for other jobs. That easy apply button was beautiful in my life. Because easy apply, you don't got to do nothing. You just click apply, and it sends it. They never call back, but at least you feel like you're making strides. And then you get that email like, 12 months later, we've reviewed your application, and you're, and you're over, or despite your high qualifications. I hate that. What do you mean, despite the fact that I'm great, you're not going to hire me? But whatever. 12 months later, I've already gotten another job, but whatever. But I, I was so itching for the next thing that, man, I couldn't even focus on what I was doing because I wanted to stop waking up at 4.30. But here's the thing. I, I wrote this note in my laptop, on my laptop this day, that I was so mad at God. And it's not, it doesn't sound pastoral to say that, but I'm going to say it again because there's some of us that feel that I was frustrated with God. I said, God, you called me. What am I doing here? Why am I working at this dead-end job? Why am I here at 4.30 in the morning? And it may sound whiny and complainy, but I know you pray the same way sometimes. So stop judging me. Oh, you're not. Are you kidding me? Let's put on the screen your prayers. But I was itching for the next position. And here's the thing, but there was a purpose behind the position I was in. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. It didn't pay enough. 4.30, nobody should be up. And I wanted out. But man, it developed character. There's a purpose behind your position. Stop seeking position and start seeking purpose. Oh, well, I'm, I'm educated beyond what these imbeciles are worthy of. I'm, I should be the boss. And we feel that way. I'm way more, I'm way better than the rest of these. How dare they not recognize the giftings of God? And here's the thing. 
You don't need people to recognize the giftings of God over your life. You need the Father to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so stop seeking position, seek purpose. Say amen. Amen. And this is the word that our generation needs. I wish I could scream this from the hilltops for every young person to hear. Stop. And I'm preaching to myself because I was itching in that position that I didn't want to be in. I'm telling everybody. Because this is the thing, when we rejoice in the purpose that God has given us in the position we're in, we will learn the secret of being content. And God will begin opening doors that would have never opened if we had been seeking it for ourselves. So I know we got to hustle, and I know we got to work hard, but it's a whole other thing to be contrary to the will of God because we got to hustle. I want you to be content in the position that you are, knowing that God has a purpose in the position that you're in. That is so good, man. If this were T.D. Jake's church, they'd be running around the building saying purpose, position, purpose, position. And here's the thing. You need to know purpose and position. You know it. All them women with all them hats would be marching around, and there'd be a three-hour-long service saying purpose and position. But y'all are sitting here all holy and sacred, but you know you needed this word. Purpose and position. There's no such thing as coincidences. Some of you don't know, this past Tuesday morning, my dad was rushed to the hospital. My dad that's sitting right here. And uh, to give you a little bit of context, three years ago, my dad had a heart attack. And, uh, and, ever, and, 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 and it was mind-blowing to all of us because he is like the healthiest member of our family. And, it's, and it made no sense. And so three years ago, scariest day of all of our lives, because if the ambulance had not shown up in the moment that they showed up, and if they had not taken care of him with such speed, precision, and excellence, I believe in a healing God, but I know that God used those doctors that day to save my dad's life. And so, this past, so whenever we're all concerned about his heart at all, all times, and... Uh, and so whenever he feels any discomfort in his chest, the right response is to always go to the hospital. Never take chances because we just don't know. And here's the thing. I leave my phone on silent every night. Every night. I, I never, it's never on loud. Alini's is always on loud. She had already left for work early. And my alarm was on for that morning. And, I, and it, the alarm went off that morning. And I reached down to pick it up so I could hit snooze, to be honest. And in the same minute, I turned off my alarm. My mom called me that my dad was in the ambulance going to the hospital, that I needed to go. She was watching Chelsea and Selena. She wasn't able to go right at the minute, so I needed to go. And here's the thing. Alini was gone. My phone was on silence. I would not have heard that phone call and been where I needed to be if that alarm hadn't gone off. There are over 1,400 minutes in one day. The chances of my mom calling me at the same minute my alarm went off is one in 1,400. The odds of that happening in the same minute, I'm not talking five minutes apart, I'm talking on the dot, same minute, one in 100, 1,400. Those are the odds. 
But in the life of the believer, there is no such thing as coincidence. Some may say, you're lucky. I would say, we're favored. And so, yep, I got up, and it was one of those mornings where I don't even know what I put on. I'm just like, on, on, hat, go. And I got to the hospital, praise Jesus, everything is okay. He was released the same day. Nothing is wrong. He's fine. Praise God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that God knew that morning that I needed to be in a certain place at a certain time. And you may say I'm over-spiritualizing it, but guess what? I'm going to over-spiritualize it then. But the fact is, God woke me up to get that phone call. God woke me up at the right time, in the right minute, to be where I needed to be. And I got to the hospital before the ambulance arrived. Praise God. And I was there at the ambulance window outside of Miriam Hospital as that thing pulled up. Because with God, there's no such thing as coincidence. Esther was not in the palace by coincidence. I didn't wake up at the same minute as that phone call by coincidence. Because I know that there is always a purpose behind everything that God does. And God says this in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so I believe this for your life as I speak it over mine. And I trust in the word of God that says that to me this morning, that nothing is by chance, nothing is by coincidence. God is making all things work together for his good, for our good, for his glory, for as, as we uh, uh, submit ourselves to his will. I believe in, with every fiber of my being that God will do in us what he sees fit and when he sees fit. So rest in that knowledge this morning, that even when things aren't the way we wish it would be, we have lined ourselves, aligned ourselves with his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Could you stand with me this morning all across this place?